Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, as we begin our worship today in what we're calling our new normal way, let me share with you some of the news about what's going on in the life of the church. First of all, our church campus is closed indefinitely, and church life will operate in this new way indefinitely, and we will await uh, instructions from the government and from the medical community about how and when we may move forward. If you'd like to receive prayer, we would encourage you to write to us at this email address, prayers at villagechurch.org. That's P-R-A-Y-E-R-S at villagechurch.org. If you'd like to be in touch with us uh, to simply communicate a message or to ask questions, then write to me at my email address, which is jackb at villagechurch.org, J-A-C-K-B at villagechurch.org. As always, we encourage you to continue, for, to continue your financial support for the life of the church uh, by sending your checks to uh, Box 704 in Rancho Santa Fe, California, 92067, or go online to villagechurch.org and you can give online. We have a beautiful flower arrangement this morning for us in worship that is a gift from John and Vera and Jessica Peck in loving memory of John Matthew Peck. And so thank you to the Peck family for providing our flowers this morning. Ten years ago, on the first Sunday in April, which was April 4th, not the 5th, we celebrated our first worship service in the new sanctuary. That was Easter that year. And even though we're not in our sanctuary today, we still are worshiping the Lord and always will be every Sunday. But we remember that special historic moment in the life of our church. Let me remind you that we will be providing worship in this format on Easter, of course, but also on Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. So please uh, check out the emails that we will be sending to you or go online to the church website and you can get more detail about how to observe and to participate and be part of worship in that way. This, of course, is Palm Sunday, one of the most special celebrations in the life of the church. And I'm wearing a purple tie. Purple is the color of Lent and the purple of Palm Sunday. But now, of course, in our society, we are being encouraged to wear masks everywhere we go as we go to and fro, doing our shopping, doing our work. And so uh, Helen has made for me this special liturgical mask for today that I want to share with you. I don't know that it's going to be all that great to preach in this mask, but I'm here alone in the new studio that we've made in our home. But uh, we want to encourage everyone to practice the best uh, advice that we can from the government so that we can help protect each other and make sure that as many people as possible do not get sick from the COVID-19 virus. Well, friends, it's time for us to worship the Lord, and I hope this information has been helpful to you. So let's be called together in worship using words from the 118th Psalm and also from Zechariah 9. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Friends, let us worship the living God. Mm -hmm. 
like the people who greeted Jesus as he entered Jerusalem and later pronounced, crucify him. We are a fickle people. We love God until we get in a place where all of a sudden our fear or distress makes us people who are no longer trusting in God. But thanks be to God that we get an opportunity to come before him to confess our sins and be assured of our forgiveness through Jesus Christ. I invite you to take a moment just to pray silently before my husband and I will pray together as you follow us the words that will be on the screen, the words of confession. Let us pray. Eternal God, in Jesus Christ you entered Jerusalem to die for our sins. We confess that we have not hailed you as king or gone before you in the world with praise for brief faith that fades in trouble, for enthusiasms that fizzle out, for hopes we parade but do not pursue. Have mercy on us. Forgive us, God, and give us such trust in your power that in every city we may live for justice and tell of your loving kindness for the sake of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hear these words of assurance. God's steadfast love is forever. Out of our distress, we call to the Lord, and the Lord hears us and saves us. In Jesus Christ, we are saved and set free. I declare to you in the name of Jesus, our sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. My chains are gone. Life endures. 
my chains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior, ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing my chains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior, ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing soon dissolve like snow the sun forbear to shine but God who called me here below will be forever mine you are forever Good morning, Kids Village, and happy Sunday. This is Miss Charity bringing you the kids' message for this morning. Today is Palm Sunday, and I know a lot of you are gonna remember what Palm Sunday is. Today is normally the day that we would be handing each of you a palm frond as you exited the sanctuary and headed to your classrooms. 
This is not something that we can do with you this morning, but our message that we have to share with you is still the same. Our visual for this morning is this little toy baby donkey that my little girl, or also known as Baby Anna in Kids Village, plays with here at home all the time. This is a part of her farm animal set that she has. Maybe you have a similar toy set at your house that you play with. This toy donkey is a perfect visual and representation as we remember when Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem riding on a donkey. A lot of people felt like maybe Jesus would have entered on a chariot or in some grand way, and that's not what Jesus did. He entered in a very humble way. I also picture Jesus smiling and waving and saying hello to the people that were there waiting for him. This is a great reminder and an encouragement for us this morning that Jesus sees us and hears us and wants us to know that he acknowledges everything that we're going through. We've been talking a lot about how there are hard things going on and there's a lot of changes in our world today. Jesus wants us to know that he sees us and hears us. He's not going to move quickly past the concerns and feelings that we have. He's there to bring us encouragement and love and hope every step of the way. Thank you again to everyone who joined us yesterday for our Extravaganza Online event. We had so much fun with you all. It was a great way for us to connect online with our families and to just be able to share in the true Easter story. Our prayer is that we are reminded for this morning that Jesus sees each and every one of us and that he hears us just like he did with the people on Palm Sunday. We miss all of you and we're praying for you and your families and we'll talk to you soon. Happy Sunday. You've been walking the same old road for miles and miles If you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside Well, there's a better life There's a better life If you got pain, he's a pain taker if you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, a saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day and the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight. We've all run the things we know just ain't right. And there's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, a saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you believe it, 
Somebody testify, testify. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, save it. He's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. Oh, if you need freedom, save it. He's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. This is the time in our worship service where we come together as a community to offer our prayers of thanksgiving to the Lord for all the many ways that the Lord has blessed us richly in Jesus Christ. This is also a time for us to offer our prayers of petition and intercession for ourselves, for our loved ones, for the church's witness in every place, for the nation and for the world, particularly in these challenging and unprecedented times of COVID-19. We do so knowing and believing that God is our refuge and strength, our very present help in time of trouble. I invite you to pause for a few moments of, of silent prayer, and then I'll offer a pastoral prayer on our behalf. And then I'll invite all of us to pray together the Lord's Prayer, the words of which will be projected on your screens. Let us look to the Lord first in silent prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We come not as strangers, but as your children redeemed in him. We thank you today for your faithfulness and your mercy and grace that we can gather together in virtual community. You're always there when we need you. You've never turned us away and you've never failed us. You've never failed to fulfill your promises to us and to your world. In our troubles and trials and when the road seems long, you've been right there with us and you've helped us through. We give you thanks and praise today. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us, but most of all, we thank you for who you are. Lord, incline your ear to us as we plead to you to bring healing quickly to every community and land in our nation and the world in this challenging time of COVID-19. Heal those who are infected with the coronavirus, for all those who are sick with other ailments, for the doctors and nurses who risk their lives to care for others, for hospitals that are overwhelmed, for first responders, for medical researchers seeking to find a cure, for leaders of governments and in positions of authority who need your wisdom, for children of all grade levels and their teachers who put together lesson plans, for families and strained relationships, for those who have been laid off or furloughed, and for all those unemployed and for whom this season is financially distressing, for all those who have lost loved ones for whom we pray for your comfort, for persons and communities at risk 
particularly the elderly. For refugees and for those who are in lands where there is war and conflict. For the witness of your churches in every place, as we all seek to minister in creative ways. Receive these prayers, Lord, for you hold us and the entire world in your care. We live and move and have our being in you. Spirit of the living God, move among us and through us, that the word of God would be proclaimed in word, in song, in prayer, in our serving and in our living. We entrust these prayers and our lives to you, for we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. created human beings on earth. Ask from one end of heaven to the other. 
has anything so great as this ever happened or has its like ever been heard of? Has any people ever heard the voice of a God speaking out of a fire as you have and lived? Or has any God ever attempted to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs and wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, by and by terrifying displays of power as the Lord God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes? To you, it was shown so that you would acknowledge that the Lord is God. There is no other besides him. From heaven, he made you hear his voice to discipline you. On earth, he showed you his great fire while you heard his words coming out of the fire. And because he loved your ancestors, he chose their descendants after them. He brought you out of Egypt with his own presence by his great power, driving out before you nations greater and mightier than yourselves. To bring you in, giving you their land for a possession as it is still today. So acknowledge today and take heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. There is no other. Keep his statutes and his commandments, which I am commanding you today for your own well-being and that of your descendants after you, so that you may long remain in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. And now a reading from the gospel according to John. After Jesus had washed the disciples' feet, had put on his robe and returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. The word of the Lord. I want to say a word of thanks again to all those who've been involved in producing this morning's worship, to our musicians, our readers, our liturgists, and to all the technicians behind the scenes who've helped make this possible. Well, I know that today is Palm Sunday, and that means that perhaps you were expecting to hear the story from Scripture about Jesus riding into the uh, Jerusalem on a donkey. Maybe you were expecting a parade of kids waving palms and people saying Hosanna all over the place. That's a story that we're well familiar with, of course, and we do celebrate that story on Palm Sunday. But you already know that story. I think the story is important to us and we love to celebrate it because we love parades. We love the joy and the spectacle and the fun of parades. We love celebrating the King Jesus. But of course, you and I know something that the people on that particular day celebrating in that particular parade did not know anything about. 
we know that the story turned out very differently from what they expected. Sometimes life throws us a curveball. Sometimes life goes a direction that we did not foresee. We're experiencing that today. And it's something like the experience that those first folks had who knew Jesus. They celebrated his entry into Jerusalem, but then things took a very, very different turn. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to take us beyond the parade, and I want to take us into the true story of who Jesus was and what he meant for the people then, and of course for people today, people like you and me. We are coming close to the end of our study of some of the titles and descriptions and names of Jesus. We have thought about Jesus in many different ways, but today we want to think about Jesus as the Lord. In the days following the parade, Jesus taught the people. He taught his disciples. He confronted the two superpowers, if you will, who ruled over Israel, the Jewish leaders and also the Romans. In doing that, Jesus confronted the way that the whole world wants to think and act sometimes. We just heard a scripture passage from the Gospel according to John, a passage that occurs as Jesus is in a private place with his disciples, as Jesus is discussing with them and continuing to teach them about who he is and what he's doing and therefore who they are and who they are meant to be. Jesus has just washed the feet of the disciples, something that no leader would ever even think of doing. Washing your own feet was bad enough, but washing someone else's feet was a demeaning and dirty task. But that's exactly what Jesus does. He washes the disciples' feet. We're told that the disciples are shocked. They're astounded. They're maybe even a little bit disgusted that their leader, their teacher, the one that they've just celebrated as a king coming into Israel has done something so unthinkable. After Jesus washes the disciples' feet, he says this to them. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for that's what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Let's focus on that phrase, if I, your Lord and teacher. We've already talked about the fact that Jesus is a great teacher. Jesus is a rabbi. Jesus teaches us the reality of who God is and what God does in the world and the truth about who we are and who we're meant to be. Today, I want to focus more on the other title that Jesus refers to himself with, the title of Lord. To think about that word, I want to go back into the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. Moses is telling the people about their history and helping them remember who they are and especially to remember who God is as they're preparing to uh, live in wilderness exile and as they're learning about God in the long description of God and the long rehearsal of the history of God that was read for us in Deuteronomy. We learn that God is the creator 
the very maker of everything that is. We learn that God is the savior of the Hebrew people. God is the one who rescued the Hebrew people from their slavery in Egypt. God is the one who has made them into a nation, the nation that we call Israel. And in all of that, we've learned that God is the one who loved the people in generations past, God is the one who loves the people even now as he is with them in the wilderness. And God is the one who will always love them from generation to generation. In all of that, Moses affirms what the people believe and what you and I believe as well. That the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. There is no other. The Lord is God. Or another way to say that, God is the Lord. When the Hebrew people used that word Lord, sometimes they meant it in a very common sense to give a sense of respect or honor to someone that they wanted to appreciate, someone that they wanted to share their respect and honor for. But when they spoke of God as the Lord, they meant something special, something different. They meant that God was the Lord, the master, the author the highest authority in all of creation because their God, they knew, was the only God. Now, it wasn't just the Hebrew people, the nation of Israel, who used that term, Lord. It was a common term throughout the day. The Romans used that term as well. The Greeks used it. When they meant Lord, they often meant the same thing that, that a normal Hebrew person would mean, a Jew, as they were speaking to other people. You might speak to your boss or your master or simply an older person in your family that you wanted to honor by calling them Lord. It was a way of saying sir or madam. But there were also special ways that the Romans used that term. The Roman Caesars in Jesus' day and especially afterward, the Roman Caesars began to think of themselves as lords of everything. The Greek word that was used to talk about Lord is the word kurios, and the Caesars began to call themselves the Kurios, the Lord. They began to equate themselves with God. We know that sometime after Jesus was gone and the first Christians were living out in the world, that they were commanded sometimes to say that the Caesar, the Roman Caesar, was the Kurios, the Lord. But of course, they couldn't do that for reasons we'll talk about in a moment. When the Romans and people of the non-Jewish culture of Jesus' day used that term Lord, they wanted to talk about people who had all the power, people who had all the money, people who had prestige and position, thinking of the Lords as the high and the mighty of society. And so when the Jews spoke of the Lord, they spoke of God the Creator, the sovereign majesty over everything. When the Romans and others around Jesus used that term Lord, they were talking about their emperors. They were talking about the rich, the proud, the powerful. But we have to ask, how is Jesus the Lord? The first Christians insisted on saying, because they believed, that Jesus was the Lord that Jesus is the Lord. Not one Lord among many, but the Lord. When they said that, they upset traditional and Orthodox Jews. 
Jews would say only God is the Lord. There's no human being, no man who could be the Lord. But of course, the Christians believed that Jesus was more than just a man. When the first Christians said that, they upset the Romans too. The Romans said, no, Caesar is Lord. How can you claim that this disgraced and executed criminal is the Lord? When the first Christians said that Jesus is the Lord, they upset the whole way of the world's thinking about who actually has all the power in the universe, about who actually is worthy of our respect and our honor and even our worship. In what some call the very first sermon in Christian faith, Peter was speaking to the old disciples and new disciples as well. We're told about it in the second chapter of Acts. Peter said, Therefore let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. It's very clear that the first Christians understood that Jesus was somebody very special, very unique, that Jesus is the Lord. You and I, if we're Christian, also say that Jesus is the Lord. We say it for the same reasons that the first disciples did. They said it because Jesus had been resurrected from the grave, and in that, everything about Jesus was validated by God. They said that because as they looked back on Jesus' life and his teaching, they began to see the power that he had. They began to see the wisdom that he expressed. They began to see that the way of life Jesus had taught them was really the only way to live, the only way to have a life that was successful and a life that was meant, that was lived the way that it was meant to be. And so the upshot of all of this is that Christians believe that Jesus, this humble, poor, first century Palestinian Jew, is the Lord. He's the leader, he's the boss. He's our teacher. And so you and I, if we're faithful Christians, seek to do what our Lord says to do. The commentator Bruce Milne says that if you're Christian, you allow Jesus' words, Jesus' standards, Jesus' values and attitudes and commandments, his example and teaching to rule your thoughts and determine your convictions. To rule our thoughts, to determine our convictions, to shape and color and guide and direct every single thing that we do, every single thing that we are. If we don't do that, if we're not learning to do that, then that means Jesus really must not be our Lord. No, none of us are perfect in that. All of us are still learning and growing. But it's very clear from Jesus' words and from the example of the first disciples and disciples throughout the ages of the church and those disciples who live now, that if we believe that Jesus is our Savior, if we accept the forgiveness of his sins, sheerly, purely by the grace of God, that then we also must make Jesus our Lord. We must allow him to be who he is, the one who teaches us how to live life, the one whose thought and mind and, 
and way of living is one that we emulate, one that we follow, one that we always seek to express in our lives. That is why we always look at what Jesus taught us. That's why we always remember Jesus' words and think of his stories and study his parables. In this particular story from John, Jesus has just washed the disciples' feet and there's a key, in some sense, a summary, if you will, of what Jesus teaches his disciples. Not so much about physically washing someone's feet, but about the humility in our attitude that propels us to serve other people, to love other people. That's what washing the feet was all about, saying, I'm no better than you. I am loved by God in the same way that you are loved by God. It's a humility and an attitude that says, I will do for you whatever you need because I want to love you in the same way that God has loved me. Those first disciples rebelled in a way. They went against everything that the Jews, the ones who had forgotten what their faith was about, those Jews taught them. There were some in Jewish faith who had adopted the ways of the world. They thought that they should be the high, the mighty, the proud, the powerful, who would care about anybody else. The first disciples, when they said, Jesus is Lord, they, they confronted that way of thinking in the Jewish leadership. They also went against what the Romans and the rest of the world would say. The rest of the world would say, become powerful, become rich. Become mighty. Do everything you can, regardless of what it does to anyone else, to, to lift yourself, to rise above. When the first disciples said, no, Jesus is Lord, they contradicted, they counteracted everything about the way the world was living. The world can be a place that's, that's full of power-seeking people, money-loving people, attention-grabbing people, pleasure-loving people, selfish people. I know that because I'm tempted to all of those things, and so are you. Jesus calls us to a different way because he's the Lord. Jesus calls us away from our selfishness and reminds us that he was selfless, that he gave himself totally for others. All true disciples of Jesus learn that we must always work on giving ourselves away, losing our lives. And so where does that leave us today? We live in a very strange and even scary situation. And yet everywhere around us, we see people who are following the example of Jesus, whether they know it or not, really. We see nurses and doctors and emergency medical personnel and so many others who are on the front line of the battle against the virus, risking their lives in order to serve other people. What a great example that is. We see some of our leaders even, some of the people that society looks at and says, you're the high, the mighty, the powerful, but our best leaders today are the ones who are serving the people, serving the good of all people. You know, Paul thought a lot about Jesus and how people could follow Jesus. And Paul once wrote to the church in Rome that the authorities are God's servants, that the authorities live up to what God wants for all people as they serve the people. 
and those are the authorities today. All the leaders of the world that we respect and admire the most, the ones who are helping us to fight the battle against this virus. But where does that leave you and me? It leaves you and me in that place where we must find out for ourselves how we can love each other, how we can serve each other, how we can follow the Lord in the way that the Lord lived. If Jesus truly is the Lord, then we're going to learn his way in the world and give up our own selfish ambitions and desires and, and give up our fear, give up our helplessness, give up our, our fear about the future even, and say, no, we're going to be filled with hope. We're going to be filled with courage. We're going to be filled with dedication to living life in the way that, that Jesus lived it, knowing that even as it led him to the cross, it also led him to the resurrection. Notice what happens when Jesus is Lord. In Deuteronomy, Moses reminded the people that if we keep God's statutes and commandments, we will find our own well-being. And Jesus reminded the disciples after he had washed their feet that if they would allow him to be their teacher and their Lord, that they would be blessed if they did the things that he taught them. I want us to be blessed. I want the whole world to be blessed by knowing Jesus. Will you allow him to be Lord of your life today? Thank you, Jack, for that message. Now will you all please join me as together we affirm our faith with the words printed on the screen from Romans 8. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Oh, God. 
what happens at the end of a parade? I have. Essentially what happens after the parade is over is that everything disintegrates. All the bands and the floats and other people in the parade simply disperse and go home. And all the people who've been watching the parade disperse and go home. It's not like that with the parade that Jesus leads. The parade that Jesus leads is a parade that continues because he is the leader, he is the teacher, he is the Lord. In all of his life, Jesus invited us to follow him, to follow behind him as he teaches and as he leads. You and I do that because he is the Lord. That ancient Palm Sunday parade that we celebrate today is over. But the parade of those who continue to follow Jesus as their Lord has never ended and it never will because Jesus is the Lord and master and teacher of all. And so I invite you today to commit your life again to following Jesus, not just because he loves you and forgives you of your sins, not just because he was a great teacher, but because he is the Lord, the one whom, if we follow, will lead us into eternal and abundant and blessed life today and always. And so now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you his peace today and always. Amen.